Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ed3 podcast, another episode of Ed3 Unplugged. I'm here with the greatest hunt since catch-up, Serge Hunt, calling in all the way from Bali today. We are so excited to to connect. Serge, how you feeling? How's the, the week been? I'm good. Still getting over my jet lag, early into the Asia time zone, but I'm with friends. We're building at the frontier of some stuff. Lots of exciting things that we've made and hopefully stuff we can talk about this podcast. Just got back from the ASU GSE conference, which is a huge education and technology conference. And one thing that stuck out, stuck out to me was, of course, AI. <laughs> Every AI session was over, over full. You couldn't get in. Everyone was curious about it. And I was surprised how much upskilling there was. They have a, a cup competition where they have new startups and probably half of them were looking at upskilling, micro learning. And so, you know, last week we just kind of broached that topic of fractional work. And I think there's a lot of connection between where we're going with education, smaller bite size, fractional learning, and this world of fractional work. And, and those two really could meet, right, and, and work together. So curious your thoughts. You spent a lot of time thinking about fractional work and how you see that overlap with city as a school and education in general. Yeah, sure. So maybe the high level thing to think about is the, not all of these things come true, but the World Economic Forum said that by 2032, 60% of people will be working as freelancers. Uh, let's just assume that that's true uh, or might happen. That means in nine years time, the sort of kind of work that people will be doing, you know, the majority of people's work will be being a marketer in the morning. Uh, doing some finance and accounting stuff for someone else in the middle of the day, you know, taking a break and you know, getting to something about web design in, in the afternoon or something. Uh, this is kind of taking a digital first approach, but there might even be freelancing in a more sort of like in-person approach, like doing someone's plumbing and then, you know, doing something else somewhere else. Who knows? But this is sort of the world of fractional talent and fractional talent marketplaces. Uh, something that I see potentially being true is that uh, this won't take up the whole uh, labor market. You know, there's still going to be jobs like being a nurse and, you know, really human uh, jobs and things that you need people for long time frames to still have traditional jobs. But more and more of the labor market will look like fractionalized small bounties that you can pick up and do. Uh, we talked about it last week, the kind of idealized project-based learning where the projects are sort of sequentially moving towards authentic and real world problems, not just simulated environments. Uh, this is definitely one route that education is taking. I mean, we're exploring a city as a school is just, you know, saying, Hey, look, here's all the fractionalized jobs and bounties and small things that people want done. Uh, whether that be right now, it's on like Upwork, but I see new platforms emerging like every day that are, you know, scoping new fractionalized jobs. What is the learning? experience look like to get you upskilled to those rapidly and quickly. That's something that I'm really excited to see more of. And I think learning ecosystems like to do the school, they're super well positioned to, to help people with that journey. Yeah. We're thinking about the same thing at Metacrafter is essentially if you can do a bounty, it's really a better project or exam, right? Cause it, it shows you have the skills you need, plus it's real. <laughs> so it really does bring forth this idea of learn and earn, right? Where you have to learn the content to do the project. But by doing the project, you're actually making a little bit of money and building a portfolio. I think that's really interesting. And I think, you know, there's some like early stage where you have to learn quite a bit to get to that first bounty. But I think giving, I mean, the concept of project-based learning is give the problem first, right? Give them the end goal. And maybe all of the stuff you think they have to learn, they maybe don't have to learn all of that or they learn it in different ways or pick it up in different areas. So I think that's really fascinating, the overlap with education, because it does, when I was in the classroom, the 
the biggest frustration I had is that people would build things that could be turned into companies or ideas, and then they just wouldn't push them out. Like everything's ready. And they didn't, they were scared, I think, of showing, you know, what, what they built. And so this kind of has the double effect of learn the thing plus get over the fear of shipping, which I think is really exciting. So, well, we had a fun time this week. We actually participated, Serge and I, along with Hunter and Nikita and a few others, we, we, we took this idea as part of Ben's Bytes Hackathon and actually built a concept. So why don't you tell, tell the good people about what our concept was and we can actually show it a little bit of what happened after just a few days of work. Yeah, sure. So the, the initial concept that we had was as an employer, uh, it's kind of, there's a high upfront cost to scoping a project and saying, Hey, here's all the requirements. This is what I need, need done. And then posting it to one of these bounty boards. Uh, you know, even in web two, people are kind of outsourcing talent to Upwork or Fiverr and uh, still this sort of kind of upfront cost to scoping these projects. So what if we use ChatGPT to scope the project given a short problem statement or a feature idea? So that was just the initial idea. Maybe when I pass back to you, Scott, I can load it up and we can demo it. But right now we did that and it took an input, outputted a project scope, and then the employer could edit this a little bit. We're then giving the option to the employer to post it to one of these bounty boards, whether it's, it's Gitcoin or it could even be just like Fiverr and Upwork, Metacraft is, so that the talent can see it and just get stuck into it straight away. And we said, wait, back up a second. This might not be the right form factor. It's not just a, a chat GPT tool or interface. What if this is a, a to-do list? What if it's a to-do list that does itself where all you see as the employer or an individual, a teacher, a freelancer, a doctor, wherever you are, you could be a full like conglomerate as well. All you see is a to-do list and a to-do list is publishing to these bounty boards and coming back to you with submissions from people. Uh, and the likelihood that that thing is done, uh, depends on how much you put on the bounty. So if you say a hundred dollars for a new website or a thousand dollars for a new website, you probably get better code, you'll probably get more quicker response, right? So that's where we're kind of taking things now and, uh, really excited to see how that unfolds. Yeah. Why didn't you pull it up? And, uh, this was, you know, I think a fun example of how quick you can build and, and also how quickly you can build without, you know, deep technical knowledge. I'm definitely not a a deep technical coder, but was able to come jump in, build some of the prompts and kind of watch Serge work some of his front end magic. And I think the, you know, the takeaway here is that if everyone or if a lot of people are able to start building their own solutions, I think we're just going to have a lot more interesting and niche solutions. So we don't all have to aggregate towards one big player, right? Where we have different versions of learning software. And, and you can see how this idea could be really easily applied to different industries, right? Like I think about in the classroom, this could be a project-based learning generator, right? Or you just say like, what's the thing I want my kids to learn today? And then it spits out a project for them to do in the classroom, right? So there's so many applications. And I think a lot of us, as we start to see these shortcuts, we'll start, start using them. So why don't you go ahead and show what, what you built and uh, we'll, we'll see what we think. Sure. So I'm just pulling up, I'll show you the, the, uh, clickable prototype and then I'll get into like the, the code that we have so far. So on the left is a scoping tool. The left is a to-do in progress review and done. Um, really simply, it's a to-do app, but you enter the project name and the problem statement and click generate. 
let's say that you have a AI enabled health tech startup called Health Bytes AI, and you need a new website. The problem statement is we need a new user-friendly website for our AI enabled health tech startup. And the project brief is automatically generated, you, generated for you. You can edit it, please choose the deadline, let's pick that day, choose the start date, choose the bounty amount, and then which bounty boards this is going to go out to. You click post bounty, and then you watch your to-dos go through the stack, review the code, review the final designs, whatever it is, and watch them become done. So that's the sort of basic interface that's going on there, Scott. You were able to do that in less than two days and put an actual working version on the, on the front step too. So just how is this all kind of powered to walk us through kind of how that actually works? So this right here, this is just running on my local environment. Uh, this is basically making a call to ChatGPT and returning the output, which is the bounty project brief. I can input something like a problem statement or a feature idea, uh, and then get that basic description written for me. So let's say I need uh, the user, let's, let's say something like a, a marketplace app on mobile, like hit generate. And here you can see that the output is basically giving an objective success criteria. And uh, then we'd allow the employer to like copy and paste this, edit it a little bit and post it to one of these bounty boards really effortlessly. So this was like the initial idea, but then we quickly realized that, hey, this could just be fit into a to-do list form factor. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was kind of the initial initial idea we had for the hackathon. Yeah, no, it's so fun and fun working with you on it. And I think, you know, we're going to be building and testing more. So we'll kind of be sharing that because I think we want to inspire other people to try to build as well. I think the best way to learn this fast moving material is to dive in. So I'm curious, as you think about like the future of fractional work and fractional education, like what are what are the barriers? Is it just cultural people coming, you know, getting behind it? Or are there other things that, you know, we really need to solve to really make this more widespread? Yeah. Something I speak to the folks at Education Reimagined about a lot is how we demonstrate with new metrics this is more effective or more something than the previous system. And the very like narrow metric that I think about uh, in education is this, the speed to go from passion to opportunity. So how quickly can you get someone from like, Hey, I, I have this like excitement about this thing that I want to do. I want to learn about it and then find something that I can be paid for in a, and sort of have vocational or career success in as quickly as possible demonstrating that these new models of learning and working uh, is the golden egg here. If you can prove to a government that part of the 800 billion that goes into the public education system should go to something like this, that's when we start seeing the wide systemic change. Currently, things like ESA programs and grants and such are trying to crack open some of this public funding into education. I think more of it will come as these new models start to demonstrate that they are more effective on either vocational and career metrics or other ones like uh, you know, wellness, mental health, uh, other kind of metrics that we need to design because currently um, the yardstick for how well your education system does are grades. Uh, and mm -hmm. when are competing on that front, then uh, we, we want to sort of be a viable option. We need to say, hey, here's a new yardstick to think about. This is why it's good for the economy and why it's good for young people. Uh, we're measuring it on this basis. Let's move this way. So I think that's really the tough nut to crack is like metrics and assessment for these new models. Yeah. So that's, 
I think about that more for the education system, but you get to see it from the talent and the workforce side of things. You've got loads of ambitious or career change type people who are saying, Hey, I was a normal web two developer. I want to learn web three and I want to learn AI, um, or maybe they're already very experienced developers and, or newbies coming into the space. How does, you know, that pathway, uh, compare to being like a normal full-time paid salaried developer versus jumping around and doing a little, little bits. Are you seeing that people, um, are having competitive salaries? Is there like, what well, life balance is good. What does that look like? Yeah, I think the, the thing we're really excited about is, you know, we've kind of added in the fractional work because just not everyone's ready yet for the full-time developer job, right? They're not ready to get hired and ha they don't have all the skills they need yet. And so one of the, one step is us teaching them those skills, but by, by giving them small work, by giving them bounty projects, they're not only learning more skills, but it really adds trust for the employer. So, you know, they have to trust the credential, but if they can also add in a layer of experience and, and portfolio, it's a lot easier for them to hire. And that, that gets me excited because of the potential to, to reach talent around the world. I just think it's, it's, it is, it is harder to hire someone outside of the world, you know, and if somebody in the Philippines went to university, I've never heard of, and sure they speak English, but I don't know how well, you know, they're going to actually do on this task. And it's easier just to hire someone that it looks like me and feels like me. Um, I think fractional work helps us get over that bias a little bit because the work can speak for itself and. You know, there's still going to be bias, but I think it is one way to chip away at that. Uh, and I think it's a little different what we're doing because it builds towards that full-time job. So I think doing fractional work on Fiverr or somewhere like that, uh, it might feel like kind of a hamster wheel where you're just always doing fractional work. So I think it's important to think about stacking that up and putting skills to those bounties. So I'm gaining the skill of Python by doing this project or JavaScript or TypeScript. And now I can say confidently in a job interview, yeah, I've done a Python project where, you know, maybe if you're doing it just on, all, on, a, on a typical fractional work site, it doesn't always fit into your mental model of skills that I'm gaining towards the future. So, so yeah, we're really excited about it. And people can check that out at metacrafters.io, our bounty boards live, and we're going to, you know, start taking more and more work. So both talent and supply in terms of employers can, can take advantage of that. And we'll kind of see, I think it's an exciting future for education if, if you can truly learn and earn, and it's not just from a token or something like that, it's from actual work from an employer. That's, you know, if, if they hire you once and you do well, they're probably going to keep hiring you. So that's one of the best ways to get started. And, and even the fact that, you know, imagine a world where people compete for the same bounty, but only one of them gets rewarded for actually completing it for the five other candidates who didn't win the bounty. That's still learning for them. And it's also still validating the fact that they have skills, um, and they can show this in their portfolio. So it's a very interesting situation where not only are the bounties getting done and the, the work getting complete, but learning is also happening, um, in a sort of a very authentic way. And, uh, the other thing that's come up maybe to leave people on is, you know, I'm not sure at what point if this, if that, if this changes so drastically, uh, the next couple of years, but the mindset that I've been trying to think about how the needs of the economy are, are and the matchmaking towards skills. And it seems like that for in the middle of these two things, uh, David Graeber used to talk about bullshit jobs. I think this is something which adds a load of bloat and managerial 
bureaucracy to the whole economy. And there's a bunch of bullshit jobs around right now. And someone said something smart to me. They said, you know, you can imagine like jobs is almost like a poor aggregator of, of jobs to be done, like tasks to be done. Like you, you sort of hope that one person aggregates enough of the skills to be able to do enough of the jobs. And so I think fractional, fractional work isn't just great for like learning and for people's salaries, but actually like from the systemic level, how many jobs are bullshit jobs? How many jobs could be done by like 10 people doing small parts of it rather than, you know, the person that you think you need, who's kind of half average at it at solving this alignment between skills and the jobs to be done in a labor market by reducing the amount of actual full-time jobs there are and increasing the matchmaking that's happening. I, I think this is going to be huge for the economy at, at, at large. It would be another different question of like how you then reskill, upskill or um, replace the, the folks who we find out to have bullshit jobs. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from the conference was from Rachel, I forget her last name, the founder of Guild, and which I, I think is a, just a great company. But, you know, she said the idea of a four and 40 is dead and the next mindset is every four. So the idea of four years in college and then you work for 40 years, like that's not a thing. But what is a thing is every four years, you should expect to reskill and do a, basically a new job or, or, or a new skill in your job, which I'm sure that feels really scary to a lot of people. But if we think about education and learning that way, like we need to teach our students to be able to reskill every four years. It's an Olympic sport and we have to prepare them for it. I think that makes things like fractional work boards and bounty-based education makes so much more sense because you're just training them in this learning process and this like ratcheting up to whatever's next process. So, so I think the idea of like next gen jobs, which we talk about at Metacrafters is just, is just that is we're all going to be working next gen jobs every four or five years. And uh, I think that's going to be scary, but also a lot of potential. And those who are willing to connect to this matchmaking, wherever they are in the world can really find opportunity. So I'm excited for that future and we're going to help build it. So. That's kind of been fun to try. So we will be back here next week talking more on Unplugged and we'll share a little bit of our building process along the way. Of course, if you want to kick the tires and use this tool for anything, just reach out to Serge and I uh, and we will look forward to talking next week, Serge. Cool. Catch some of you guys in Discord. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.